Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Hey, I'm very excited this morning um, as we uh, embarked on our first Sunday morning Bible study at 930 We've been talking about the treasure principle that God owns everything and I am simply a manager of what God has temporarily loaned to me. Uh, we are just, um, I just encouraged this morning. Uh, so uh, we are also embarking on a new journey in the book of Ephesians. And I think that God is going to teach us um, just not just individually, but hopefully to inspire us as a church family as we grow in Him. And we talk about the different themes in the book of Ephesians, and then we apply these things to our lives. So as followers of Jesus Christ, who are part of a local church, which is part of Christ Church Universal, right? Um, the Bible says that God is, is growing us to maturity not just individually, but as a local body, so that we can effectively love, share, love people, share the gospel while growing and maturing in our faith individually. Um, and so I'm excited about the book of Ephesians. So here we go. God is speaking to the church through the Apostle Paul, reminding us of our change in family status through salvation in Christ. That Jesus rules with all power. He is the head of the church. We are made new in Him. That Christ is the one who brings unity. That the church is to be ambassadors. We are to be ambassadors of love and unity, serving each other with the gifts Christ has given us, equipping one another, building each other up, as we all grow up to maturity in Him. The church, us, we are to build each other up in love, not forgetting where we come from and what Christ has and is doing for us, behaving and putting on the new man, imitating God and loving people like Jesus does. We are being called to live carefully, always giving thanks, honoring one another in all of our relationships. Husbands and wives are to be a picture of the love and submission between Christ and the church. And children are to obey their parents, and parents are not to provoke and frustrate their children, as we are all to honor God in our working relationships, because we really only work for the Lord. Finally, Paul will say, we are to be strong in the Lord by continually putting on the full armor of God that protects us and doing all of this start to finish with ongoing diligent prayer and alertness. That was a mouthful. I try to write sentences as the Apostle Paul would. The Apostle Paul is the sentence run on king. He would not survive Western, he would not survive American high school grammar. He would be very frustrated. But I just gave you my big, the big idea of Ephesians. So now you don't have to pay attention in church for 16 weeks. No, don't do that. Don't do that. So, 
Anthony read our scripture for us this morning. Paul's writing this right around A.D. 60 uh, while he is in prison, and he's writing to the church, these people that he loves, and he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at these first 14 verses today, I promise you, I promise you, this is a snapshot. This is going to be a brief snapshot of, 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 the, of, of the theology that's really here. I couldn't do it justice unless we were being served lunch and dinner today and we were all going to stay uh, till five or six o'clock. No, yeah, somebody's shaking their head already. So, so you're going to get a snapshot of, of blessing God for all of our spiritual blessings or praising God for all that he has blessed us with. Okay, so a couple of things. One, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, you're going to get a lot of theology, right? Theology, right? Theos, God, ology, the study of, right? The study of God. So we're going to get a lot of theology, but, but please hear my heart. Everything that Paul's saying to the Ephesians is just as practical. First half of Ephesians, a lot of theology. Second half of Ephesians, a lot of practice. Okay, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get some practice in these first three chapters as well. All right. I'm just a little excited about this, guys. Just a little. Okay. so in our first slide um, in our next slide up here, we're going to see praising God because he chose you. Praising God because he chose you. Now, going to be careful here. You may not hear everything that you want to hear um, in these fir- in verses four, three, four, and five. But here's where we get our theme: Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So we are blessing God because He has blessed us with several things. Right? He has chose. He has chosen us in love. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have simply responded to God's calling and choosing of you to become his child. So God chooses you. um, He saves you. He redeems you. Okay. And then because of that, he is blessing you also with an inheritance. There's a lot of stuff going on here, but This word um, being chosen, right? Because God chose you in verses four through six. uh, It says, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Now, depending on where you do grammar and you're thinking, oh my gosh, is he really going to do this? I am because it's significant here at the end of verse three. Because that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, period or that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons. You choose too much. You don't want, you choose, right? There's going to be several of these here because grammar gets kind of funky in the original language. There was no grammar. We insert grammar. Um, But it does make a difference in, in how we understand the scripture. And that's why I bring it up today. So, so here we get this in verses four through six that God chose us. Election here is not speculative or calculating, but it is a loving and carefully thought out action of God. The Honer says uh, in his commentary on Ephesians, how do I know that? Because 
if you look in verse 5, that He predestined us to adoption as sons. When you become a follower, if and when, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you were adopted into God. God adopted you through Jesus Christ, through your salvation in Jesus Christ. Family relationships are important. So we have this example, right? Um, we have this example of choosing and adoption. Well, let's talk about being chosen first, right? We see here in verse three, uh, verse four, that he chose us. Now, you see, I guess our best example would be Adam and Eve, right? That when they sinned, they had a perfect relationship with God in the garden. When they sinned, right, they thought they were going to hide from God. But God, watch this, God pursued them. God called them. God said, Adam, in the, God, Adam, where are you? There used to be a song, I'll date myself, by a guy named Don Francisco. It's ancient. It was on a cassette. That's how ancient it was. But it was a beautiful song that used to make me cry because it was all about God pursuing Adam and Eve in the garden. You see, the picture in Ephesians 1 is of a loving father towards the children, which results in the praise of the father's love. So, God chose David and rejected his brothers. Now, so does that mean that um, David was holy and his brothers were evil? No. And it just means that God chose David instead of the seven other, six other, seven of them all together, brothers. So, also with the choosing of Israel as his chosen people. God chose Israel because, the Bible says, not that you're great, not that you're mighty, not that you're big, only because I chose to put my love on you. Does that mean that God detested or hated all the other nations? No, it simply means that he chose Israel. When God chose the tribe of Levi to be the, uh, to be the priestly tribe out of the 12 tribes, did God uh, hate the other 11 tribes or reject the other 11 tribes of Israel? Well, of course not, right? But he chose Levi, the, the tribe of Levi, to represent, um, to be the priests um, for Israel. I think it's also important when we think about choosing, right? We always focus on us, the ones being chosen. Guys, listen, when, when I see this, and, and, and I just, I learned this, I'm not that smart. Um, I'm really not. God is the subject. God is the subject here. This is all about God. He is the subject. And we are simply those whom he has chosen. So in a sense, it's not about us. It's about God. Sometimes that takes, and, and I get it, we all want to talk about it, right? Well, if God chose us, am I just a robot or a puppet? Uh, but I responded to the gospel, I confess my sins, I know I'm saved. But we say, um, right, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works which means there's nothing that you and I, and this pertinent here, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. And even, watch this, even after we are saved, there we have really, how do you say, I'm not going to say it well, we have no claim on God, right? It is God who chose us and loves us. Okay, so God chose in light of, 
and let's talk uh, just for a moment about verse 5, right? He predestined us. We think about this more as, as boundaries. We think about that God, that God predestined us. God set these boundaries. Um, I had a little more here. I want to say this properly. So he predestined us. That means that in light of time did not exist. Time did not exist until, watch this, this messes me up still. Time did not exist until God created the world and the human race. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have existed um, um, since eternity past. They will exist into eternity future. Time is a con- time and space are constructs for you and me, not for God. So God set some limits and some boundaries, and He predestined, He predestined you and me. So He set these boundaries um, and chose us. And he chose us. And here is an interesting, and sometimes we don't like to talk about, excuse me, we like to gloss over this part at the end of verse 4, that he chose us before the foundation of the world, before God created time and space, he chose us. Maybe millions of years before you and I were born, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he chose you before the foundation of the world, watch this, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. You know what holy means? It simply means that God called you and set you apart for His purposes. Mm. That's adoption as sons is calling. Adoption says that where you came from is no longer your family. I am your family. Author Keith Miller tells of an outgoing 40-year-old woman who was part of a sharing group that he led, and here's her story. She said, when I was a tiny little girl, my parents died, and I was put in an orphanage. I was not pretty at all, her, her words, and no one seemed to want me, but I longed to be adopted and loved by a family as far back as I can remember. I thought about it day and night, but everything I did seemed to go wrong. I must have tried too hard to please the people who came to look me over. And what I did was to drive them away. But then one day, one day the head of the orphanage told me that a family was coming to take me home with them. I was so excited I jumped up and down and cried like a little baby. The matron reminded me that I was on trial and this might not be a permanent arrangement. But I just knew that somehow this would work out. So I went with this family and started to school. I was the happiest little girl you could imagine. Life began to open up for me just a little. But then one day, a few minutes, a few months later, I skipped home from school and ran into the front door of the big house we lived in. No one was at home, but in the middle of the front hall was my battered suitcase with my little coat thrown across it. As I stood there, it suddenly dawned on me what it meant. I didn't belong there anymore. Miller reports that when the woman stopped speaking, there was hardly a dry eye in the group. But then she cleared her throat and said, almost matter-of-factly, this happened to me seven times before I was 13 years old. 
But wait, she said, don't feel too badly. It was experiences like these that ultimately brought me to God. And there I found what I had always longed for, a place, a sense of belonging, and a forever family. So the writer asks, have you ever felt as though you didn't belong and that you didn't have a place? You can belong to Jesus. If you are a Christian, you do belong to him. Little ones to him belong, so when you feel small, take this as your hope and comfort. This, this lady's story was simply adoption. At times, I tell you the story of Emily, a girl who grew up in my youth ministry, and her dad didn't live with Emily and her mom because he couldn't. He wasn't a nice man. And, and, and so Emily, at a very young age, um, because she had a godly Christian mother and a good church around her, um, I encouraged Emily and so did others. Says, Emily, let, let Jesus be your daddy. Let Jesus be your daddy. I know you have a physical daddy, and I know this is hard, but Jesus wants to be your daddy. Emily, at a young age, let Jesus be her daddy. And, and, and I was part of her wedding. So Diane and I went to her wedding. I was part of her wedding ceremony several years later. And, and, and to the best of my knowledge, she's, she has a loving husband, a loving Christian husband, and she's serving Jesus. But this adoption, friends, this adoption, um, the next slide, I probably did it poorly. Oh, no, go back one. God determined and set out a boundary before time. I totally forgot I said this so much better on the slide. Well, Mr. Honer did. God determined and set out a boundary before time. One's destiny has been determined beforehand. No, that's, that's, that's a uh, provocative statement, but hang in there. Next slide. Here are some things that we see that God does. Why we praise God because he chose us. One, we're becoming a family. Now, practically speaking, in the church, we should be treating each other like family. For some of you, you might say, oh, well, then I'm gonna, next time you make me mad, Pastor Charlie, I'm going to cuss you out. Now, I might slap you in the back of the head. <laughs> and, and I'm going to think, well, I might deserve that because that happened at some time when I was... No, seriously. Becoming family is so important. If you're a member of East Baltimore Graffiti Church, this should be a place where, a safe place where you are loved and accepted. Sometimes we have to confront each other with the truth so that we can grow up in unity in the church, but, but this should be a safe place where you are loved, encouraged, comforted, and challenged all at the same time. Becoming family, guys. Becoming family. You know, I'm going to give you the shortest version of it, but in ancient times, um, when this was being written, if adoption was rare, and if you were adopted, there were certain rights conferred on you that made you almost even more important than the children who were born into the family. You were like so special, and you would get the same portion of the inheritance that the other children in the family did. And because adoption was rare, sometimes you were treated even more special because you were adopted. Adoption was different back then, and it was very interesting. That's the short version, I promise. But And this is also by the pleasure of God's will. Your salvation, God loving you, God adopting you, God does this because it brings him pleasure. And watch this, it brings him glory. Remember, this is about God. He is a subject, not you and me. So, but... 
It is God's pleasure to bring you into his family as his child. Think about that. Child of God, when you came to Jesus, confessed your sins and called out, cried out to him, Abba, Daddy. When you cried out to Jesus, it gave him pleasure. You give God pleasure. God takes great pleasure in you. Next, he sets you apart. That holy, right? The word saints, hagias, the called out ones, you are called out and separated for God's purposes. We also see in these verses that you and I get to spend time, actually, we are continually in God's presence through the Holy Spirit. Talk more about Holy Spirit at the end, amen? And we also see here too that we are holy and blameless before Him in love. I like it. I like the period after love, not before in. But again, you decide, right? And so we're praising God because He chose me and you. If you're a follower of Jesus, He chose you. You bring Him pleasure. He, he knew your name. He knew your name before the foundation of the world. Time and space are just constructs for our benefit, not, not for God's benefit. Takes a lot of controversy out of all the predestination and election conversations for me. But next, we also are praising God for our salvation in verses 7 through 10. Verses 7 through 10. Um, we see here, in Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Everything about God is abundance and riches and more than you and I deserve and, 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 and bringing God pleasure. But it's all about Him. Next slide, we see a few things. God literally, to be redeemed is to be bought back. To be bought back. The Bible says, for all is sin and falls short of the glory of God. We are told... In Romans chapter 5, the prior to knowing Christ, we are helpless and we are God's enemies. God's enemy. That's harsh language. But when we're adopted into God's family, all of that changes because, because God literally buys us back from sin and death. And right here we see it. This redemption, what was paid was a high cost. It was the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that was paid for your salvation and mine. So I always talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. If you haven't read it, read it. Then we'll have a great conversation or 20. But he talks about cheap grace versus costly grace. God gave, God gave his very best. Jesus gave his all. So we are redeemed, bought back through the blood of Christ. Our sins are forgiven. So we see here literally that God paid a high price for you. I always tell my friend, God values you highly. He, he wants to adopt you as his child. He wants to, to take pleasure in you. God says he will never leave you or forsake you. So he won't pack your suitcase and have it sitting in the foyer. God won't do that. He said he will never do that to you. And then what we see also in verses 7 through 10 are abundant grace. And listen, there's a lot here. It talks about, He made known to us the mystery of His will. God pulls back the curtain for us. We see, and again, His kind intention is God's pleasure. It's repeated, which He purposed in Him. And, all right, I'm going to behave myself. We have a lot of he, him, and his going on here. And so we, we do talk about the fact here. So 
God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in him being Jesus Christ with a view to an administration suitable. So he's talking about the summing up. Everything comes together in Christ, both in the heavens and on the earth. Jesus Christ is in charge. And that's what we see here. So God just lavishes grace, lavishes his grace on you and me. He reveals his will to us um, through our salvation. Jesus Christ is in charge. He is ruling and reigning both in the heavens and the earth. So those of us who have anxiety, those of us who have control issues, um, those of us who wake up in the middle of the night and write a list of 48 things that you're stressed out about, listen, I'm not saying you, many of you are way more organized than I am. I need to go there. I need to be more organized, right? Um, so so I'm, not, I'm not throwing rocks, just a, just a little teeny bit of humor there. But, but listen to what he says here. Jesus is in charge in the heavens and things on the earth. Then in verses 11 through 14, 11 through 14, what we see here um, as we bring it in, here is, so the Old Testament, the Old Testament concept is of theoretical and practical knowledge with the idea of skillful living, and we call that wisdom. Human self-reformation, though, cannot change people. Only the crucified Christ, who is the wisdom of God, generates the power that can transform people. We want to make this very, very clear. You and I can't do this thing. Jesus does it on, for us. God does it for us through Jesus on our behalf. We simply enter in. Amen? Just wanted to make sure I get that right. Number three, we're also praising God for our inheritance. Listen, Jesus isn't going to adopt you into his family, lavish his grace on you, reveal his will to you, and then treat you like a stepchild. He's not. Amen? So here's what we see. You and I, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, there's that word again, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his own will. God has a great purpose both for eternity future and for you today. So God's purpose is both for you and me today and for the church and for his church but also for eternity. And we see both here. We have entered into God's family, therefore you and I have an inheritance. And the end is, to those who were the first to hope in Christ, that we would be to the praise of His glory. God gets all the glory. When someone gets saved, do we praise God? Amen. When you got saved, people praise God. When I got saved, people really praise God, right? So, yeah. So we are to the praise. Look, you bring God glory. God has a purpose for your life. Just, just your salvation um, brings God glory. So we give God pleasure, right? Um, but God gets all the glory. We're being invited in 
you have an inheritance. You have a bright future. You have a bright future, follower of Jesus Christ. Because uh, in him, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of a promise. Amen? So, listen, this is the assurance of the believer right here. By the way, always recognize, I, I'm always going to share with you, when we see God the Father, Jesus Christ our Savior, and the Holy Spirit at work, all in, this, all in, the, same, all in the same scriptures, right? I'm always going to remind us of that. But you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's your assurance. That is not a license to sin or be sloppy or lazy, but it is the assurance of your salvation. It's a pledge. God has said right now, Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost coming to live in you to lead you, guide you, be your teacher, cause you to understand God's word, help keep you from sin, and sometimes protect you and me from ourselves. Amen? Amen. I know I'm accurate there. John chapter 14, John chapter 16 works in roles of the Holy Spirit, right? But he is the down payment for your final eternal glorification. Oh, somebody else should have said amen too, Eric. Because your final destiny and glorification is living in eternity in the presence of God and Jesus Christ. This Holy Spirit living in you who keeps you and me from trouble, who watches over us and teaches us and guides us is our down, is our down payment. God's pledge to us that he's going to finish this complete, this good work which he started in you um, this process of sanctification that will take place until we take our last breath on this earth and the process of our glorification takes place and that is the final deal. Amen? So, a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. You are the final redeeming. The end of redemption that begins with salvation is your glorification when you and I go to spend eternity with God. You and I are his possession. I often think, and it bears a moment of our time, in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Now you know 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about not being ruled by food, not being ruled by sex, but but he makes, Paul makes a very, because you all know the Corinthians were wild, right? He says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now, verse 20 gets even better. Here's your redemption. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. This physical body, my mind, my spirit, my heart, my soul, but this physical body now belongs to God. What I do with it matters. Now, I don't want to get all caught up in 1 Corinthians, right? And, um, and, and start shouting and all that good stuff. But, but what we see here is redemption, the process. Sometimes a process of sanctification can be painful. But here's what's happening. God is calling you, follower of Jesus, to be part of a local church. This church at Ephesus, there was a lot of good stuff going on. There are other churches, and there were some struggles, and there were some struggles at Ephesus too. And we're going to talk, um, and we're going to talk about that. 
But this first chapter, oh my gosh, even these first 14 verses, and, and we are praising God because He chose you. We're praising God for our salvation and we're praising God for our inheritance and our final glorification and spending eternity with Him. Paul is encouraging these believers here. Um, some say this might even be a song or a prayer. Certainly verses 15 through 23 that we will look at next week is a prayer from Paul for the Ephesian church. I'll go a step further even. A prayer for the Ephesian church and a prayer for you and me. Amen? So, so practically speaking, so practically speaking, what is God saying today? One, He's saying, child of God, you've been adopted into God's forever family. So if you're down today, to have some encouragement. The Holy Spirit resides in you. God has redeemed you, bought you back. He loves you. He has a plan for your life now and a plan for your life in eternity. He called you and chose you before the foundation of the world. He knows your name. He knows your name. Be encouraged. But He's also calling you and me to be part of a local a local body of believers, a local body of believers where we build one another up and encourage one another in these very things. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope that today's message of adoption and redemption and salvation, I hope that that appeals to you. I hope that the Holy Spirit is convincing you of your need for Jesus today. And, and I hope that today will be the day that you come to know Him as your Lord and Savior. But today, be encouraged, my friend, because followers of Jesus, you have been called out for a purpose. Your life has purpose. Who you are brings God pleasure. Some of us need to hear that. Your life has meaning and purpose and you bring God pleasure today and for eternity. Amen? Amen.